Amen, amen. You can have a seat and welcome to Harvest. And whether this is your first time here, and I know that there are many whose time it is for for their first time here, um, or whether you've been here many, many times, um, your family here. You're welcome here. You're wanted here. And we're so excited about all that God is doing here. My name is Dan Hammer. I have the privilege of being the senior pastor here. And um, we love you. And I mean that sincerely. And um, we are here to praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. While the locations of the church have changed, while the addresses have changed, while sometimes the faces have changed, the mission has never changed. And that is to glorify our risen Savior today, tomorrow, and always. The story of Harvest has always been and always will be the story of God at work. Amen. And he's just getting started. I believe with all my heart that God's best is yet to come. And happy anniversary, Harvest. Amen. 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 And uh, we're so thankful as people continue to come in. There are some seats along the aisles. There are some seats up front on our front row. If you need some seats, that'd be great. Um, But God is moving in a big way. And we are anchored in the reality that God is at work here. And we are anchored on the promise of God. You see, Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, 18 said this. He said, you'll see it on the screen. And I will tell you that I will build my church and the gates of hell, nor global pandemic. That's my emphasis. will stand against it. Amen. Praise God. Today we're going to open a new sermon series called Build Your Church. That's the cry of our heart. It's it's not just a statement, but it's a prayer. That Jesus, would you do what you promised to do? That we would get out of the way and that you would build your church. And we are trusting that God would work. We're going to be in Matthew 28 today, 18 through 20, if you want to get a head start there. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there are some in the back table. We would love to give one to you. Uh, I'm not sure what brought you here today. Maybe you're here as a guest checking us out. Maybe you've been here for a while. Maybe you're here as a family member or a friend supporting what is going to happen at the end of the service, which is awesome. But I actually want to correct myself. I actually know what brought you. I, I might not know what brought you here today, but I know who brought you here today. God brought you here. Whatever reason you are here, he has a message for your heart, and he has a message for my heart, and I just pray that you would open your heart to receive it, and I believe that he wants to change lives today. I believe that he wants to transform relationships today. I believe he wants to change the world today, and I believe that he can, because he has, and I believe that he will. Amen? Would you open your heart that way? What a proclamation Matthew 16 is, and what a promise, that Jesus will build his church. It's a promise. He's going to do it. The theme of our ministry year is the name of this sermon series, Build Your Church. It's the cry of my heart. It's the purpose of our life. God's church is not a place nor a building. If you are familiar with our story, someone asked me this a couple minutes ago, which is awesome. We love to share the story of God's faithfulness. But the story of Harvest is not a building. It's people. Because when you look in the New Testament, you actually see the word for church, ecclesia. It actually means a called out gathering of people. The church is not brick and mortar that we're thankful for. God moved us here two and a half years ago. Praise God, amen. This building is a means to an end. It's a means to fulfilling the mission of God, to gather to worship the risen King, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to be launched out into our neighborhoods and the nations to make disciples for our Lord. This is not, the church is not brick and mortar. The church is the Blums, the Michaeloskis. It's you, and it's me. And we all have a place in God's story. And God's best is yet to come. 
We've seen so much over the last seven years where God started to harvest from the basement of a home, moved us to training in a church that some of you are very familiar with in Annapolis and didn't even know us then on a Sunday evening, to launching in a middle school cafeteria, to moving from a gym to that cafeteria, to moving to our ministry center and convenience store, to now being blessed with 10 acres and two buildings. Praise God, amen. He's faithful then, and he is faithful now, and he will continue to be faithful. He continues to build his church, and we stand here today as a living testimony to the reality that in every season and every situation of life, Jesus builds his church. Praise God. And you are that church. Look around. Faces new, faces familiar. This is a church. A church is not a place that you visit. A church is something that we become. Living life together for the glory of God. Our, our mission here at Harvest is glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our vision here is one mission, one church, one family. You are welcome here all the time. If you're just like, I just came to support someone, I hope you come back next week. If you have your own local church, awesome. Be all in there. If you're searching for one, come back. God doesn't move here. God doesn't work here. The church of God is built on the promise of God through the power of God to accomplish the plan of God. And God in his divine sovereignty and design gives each of us a unique part in that. Can I tell you something? Can I admit something real? If I was God, I wouldn't choose me to accomplish my mission. <laughs> I feel very underqualified, and maybe you do too. But God in his divine sovereignty said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the world. Through the church, the church, as many have said before me, is God's plan A. There is no plan B. Through the church... Remember, our church is not a building. It's who? You and me. So through who is Jesus going to build his church? You and me. We all have a part. We all have a role to play. I pray that we leave here with that clarity and that we would choose to respond obediently. Because maybe you haven't been fulfilling the role and the privilege and ultimately the responsibility that Jesus has given us, as we will see today. But may today be a new day for you. A day where you choose to follow God and choose to where you obey God and choose to discover the reality that there is nothing greater than God because ultimately, I pray that you would leave with this today, a greater view of who God is. That you would see Jesus as greater. Greater than your deepest pains, greater than your greatest earthly successes, greater than a bank account, greater than a perfect social media family. By the way, there are no such things as perfect families. We all need God's grace. The promise that God has given us is fulfilled for the plan that God has given us. We're going to see that today. The plan of God is called the Great Commission of God. It's fulfilled one person at a time because every person matters. You matter. You matter. You matter to God and you matter here. Every person is welcome, wanted, loved, and matters. Your story matters. Every single person on earth was created in the image of God, no matter your race, your creed, your place of origin, the language you speak. You were created in the image of God to be loved by God and hopefully to be saved by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen? You matter. Your story matters. That's why our hearts is to make disciples locally, regionally, and globally, because we believe with all my heart, we believe as a church, our leadership team, our staff, our elders, I believe personally that Jesus Christ changes everything, doesn't he? He changes everything. I pray today that he would change everything for you today. And maybe you haven't experienced that ultimate transformation that only the Holy Spirit can do. I pray that you would experience that today.
Lives, when the gospel enters the room, when Jesus takes over, lives are transformed, families are changed, and the world is altered through the power of the gospel. Not through us, not because of anything that we have done, but because of who God is. God has been faithful before, he'll be faithful again. Can I tell you that even today is an answer to prayer for the faithfulness of our God? As we were processing with our staff team and our elder team, as I was in my personal prayer time with the Lord over the last several months and going, God, what do you want us to do on our anniversary service? And one of the things he laid on my heart is let's do baptisms. And I had a personal prayer that I didn't really share with anybody until last Sunday. And I'm like, God, I don't know. I mean, you can do anything. I don't know that you would choose to do this. But what if on our seventh anniversary, we have seven baptisms? We've never had more than five. You know how many we have today? Seven. God is at work, amen? And that makes it all worth it. Because the stories that you will hear later the lives that you will see changed later is a story in the reality of why God planted this church here. It's why Ann and I said, sure, let's go. And all the sacrifices that so many of you have made past, present, and future, the amount of money you've given, the amount of time, the amount of effort, it's all worth it, isn't it? To glorify God and to see lives change forever. It's about names. It's not about numbers. It's about names. Because every person matters to God. Every dollar given ultimately is to see lives transformed through the power of the gospel. Every hour of service given is so that lives will be transformed through the power of the gospel. So that God will be glorified and worshiped. And that lives will be transformed. Praise God. Amen. This fall, we're going to talk about build your church. And we're going to look at different pursuits of our life. As we desire to be a multiplying church. This is our commitment. This is our prayer. This is God's design for us. We're going to go through the book of Titus starting next week to see God's blueprint for how he builds his church, which should lead us to nine different pursuits of our life. None of us are perfect, but we are all to be pursuing, right? We aren't perfect or else we wouldn't need the grace of God. So in our imperfection, we allow the grace of God to shine in us and through us. We should all be striving to become more like God, but none of us this side of eternity or Jesus coming back will be perfect. So if you're not perfect and walked into the room, welcome. You're amongst friends, including me. Amen. But we are to be pursuing. Pursuing multiplying disciples, pursuing multiplying small groups, pursuing multiplying churches, all for the glory of God. Here's a big idea for today that will lead us into the series that we will be continue next week as we go through the book of Titus. We love to go verse by verse, word by word, book by book through God's word here at Harvest because we believe that God's word changes everything. Big idea on the screen in your notes is that the pursuits of my life must flow from the priorities of Jesus's heart. The pursuits of my life, we're all pursuing something. Maybe it's a new military career advancement for you. Maybe it's a, a oh, I want to make the, the soccer team at school this fall. Maybe it's a, I wanted to get into this college. Maybe it's a, I want to have a family. Maybe it's a fill in the blank. I want to have my own business. They're all great, but we're all pursuing something. But are they the greatest thing for you? Are they what Jesus desires for you? The pursuits of my life must flow from the priorities of Jesus' heart. Because what we pursue with our life, the priorities and the pursuits of our life are a direct overflow of the passions of our heart, right? How many of us say, I don't have time for this? Well, the reality is, no, you do. You're just not prioritizing it because you make time for what matters most to you, right? Oh, I don't have time to do this. I, go, I got time to go on the golf course. I got time to work overtime at the law firm because I want to make partner. What you're saying there is, Well, I might not have time to read God's word or go to a small group, but I want to make partner because making partner is actually more important to me than God's word. Amen? 
Now, there's nothing wrong with giving your best. We are taught to do our best and give our best for the glory of God. But the question is, is God getting your best? Is he the ultimate priority of your heart and life? The ultimate pursuit? Because you can have all the money in the world and be the most miserable person in the world, amen? Striving and achieving the things of this world will not give you the peace and the hope that you are genuinely looking for today. Only Jesus will do that. Today, when you leave here, you will have heard what Jesus commands for us to do. What he tells us that we should be pursuing. So no longer can we live in ignorance or hide our head in the sand. The question is then, will you live in obedience? It's in a matter of obedience is living for the Lord, which ultimately is a heart of worship issue because you know, if, you obey, if you love God, you will keep his commands. And so if he tells us to do something and we refuse to do it, we were actually saying, God, I'm going to worship something else greater than you. And how many of us are doing that in our lives right now? So Jesus is calling each and every one of us, including myself, to recenter our lives on his priorities out of an overflow of his gospel and watch what God will do. He will blow the doors literally off this place. He will blow the doors off your work and your community as you recenter your heart and your life and your priorities on God. And you will grow in God and go for God. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments that we have, I just pray that you would work. I just sense that you want to work powerfully today. God, I just pray that you would move in a way that you would silence me and that your words alone would flow. We celebrate the work that you have done in our lives, the work that we will hear testimony of later, and the work that you will do. For whatever brought us to this place, I know you brought each and every one of us to this place. And God, I pray that you would light a fire in each of our hearts, that you would silence our, the distractions, and that we would listen, that we would open our hearts to respond in whatever way the Spirit leads. Maybe we showed up for one reason, but God, you have a different plan. I pray that we would submit and surrender and commit to follow you because you are greater than anything and you are sovereign over everything. And God, we want to give you our hearts. We want to give you our lives. And we want to ask you to build your church. And that starts in me. It doesn't start over there. It starts in here in my own heart, God. Make me and mold me more into your image to grow in you and go for you. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 28. This might be a very familiar passage to some of you. It might not be. But this is Jesus' words to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. He says this, And Jesus came and said to them, them being his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is known as the great what? Commission. And again, this all flows out of worship. Now, what is so significant about the Great Commission? We're talking about that the pursuits of my life should be anchored in the priorities of Jesus' heart. And if you'll see this on the screen behind me, the Great Commission, Jesus, after he was resurrected and before he was ascended, was on earth for 40 days. The Great Commission was spoken by Jesus in some capacity five different times. One in Matthew, one in Mark, one in Luke, one in John, one in Acts. The first you'll see on this list are chronologically in order of when they appear from Jesus' resurrection to his ascension. On John 20, 21, he went to them in the upper room when they were hiding, and he said to them, as the Father has sent me, so I send who? You. 
We are all sent ones. This message was not just for his disciples then, it's for his disciples now. It concludes with Acts 1.8 where he's about to ascend. Literally, the last words he gives his disciples was, uh, uh, it was to go. You will receive power when who? The Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in the Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So each of these passages describes the, the model for the mission the magnitude of the mission, the methodology of the mission, the, the message of the mission, and the means of the mission. If you want more on this, read the book that's referenced there the, by Marvin Newell, who's the dad of a dear friend. You might recognize that last name. He's Nate, Pastor Nate Newell's father. It's a great book. It's super helpful for me. But what is it? So if, if Jesus says this five times in 40 days, do you think it's important to him? Yes. You're allowed to talk back here. If you're new, you can talk back. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> is it important to him? Is it a priority to him? Yeah, so this is the priority of Jesus' heart. The question now is, is it the pursuit of our lives? Vision leaks. And the, for the original disciples and for us now, we have to hear it over and over and over again. So what's clear is that this is Jesus' priority. The question is, is it your pursuit? What is a commission? Many of you are familiar with that words. It's an order. That needs to be obeyed. It's not optional. Given by a commanding officer. Jesus is our commander in chief. So many of you serve faithfully. So faithful in law enforcement. You serve so faithfully in the military. I just want to say thank you. Especially on the anniversary of 9-11. Thank you for your sacrificial service. For all you first responders. Thank you for all that you serve in the military. And all the DOD and all the alphabet letter soups. Agencies that you can neither confirm nor deny to us that you work for. Thank you for what you do. But in the military or in, in law enforcement, as a first responder, if your commanding officer gives you an order, do you have the opportunity to reject it or deny it or to disobey it? No. You get written up. You get all these things. But how many of us spiritually, if we think about Jesus as our commanding officer, are given this commission by God but are actually living in direct disobedience to it because we are like, no, nah, I'll do it later. I'll do it when I got time. Now, how would your drill sergeant go? I'll get to those push-ups later. What do you think about that? How would that work out for you? Not well. But how many of us treat Jesus like that, if we're being honest? I'll get it when I grow up, when I have more money, when I get more time off, when I get my career in order, when I get the family that I want, then I'll live on the Great Commission, right? I've been there too. And maybe that's you today. But I pray that you would see the priority and the urgency of what Jesus is instilling us today. What is a disciple? If we're called to make disciples, it's helpful to know what that is. Here's a working definition for us. You'll see it on the screen that we have here at Harvest, an authentic follower of Jesus Christ who is committed to daily worshiping Christ, walking with Christ, and working for Christ. We'd love to talk with you more about specifically what that means. And by working for Christ, embedded in working for Christ is witnessing for Christ. It's living on mission. Step two is a great place next week. If you're newer to Harvest or maybe you want to be interested in pursuing membership, would highly encourage you to join us there next week to learn more about what God is doing here. Disciple means apprentice. I love what George Barna says this. He puts it very succinctly about what a disciple is. He says it's a complete and competent follower of Jesus Christ. Is that you, friends, today? And if it's not, if you're not quite there yet, it's okay. This is, discipleship is a journey. Like, it's a lifelong process. It's not just like a class that we take. It's a life that we live. Amen? It's a continual pursuing of growing and taking a next step. And every single one of us has a next step to take today. Because none of us have arrived today. I have a lot of room to grow. Robert Coleman says this about discipleship. He says the ultimate goal of Jesus Christ for his disciples was that his life be reproduced through them into the lives of others. But technically, a disciple is, a, is an apprentice. You're becoming like the master. Is that you? 
Being a disciple of Jesus means that our identity is anchored in the person of Jesus and our purpose is defined by our master, Jesus. Are you allowing Jesus's purpose to define your priority today? Honestly, I struggle with this and I need the power of God to fulfill the mission of God, amen? Because in my own, I, my flesh just makes me wander. And maybe that's you too. That's why this is a prayer that I'm committing to God for over the next year to pray every day, maybe the rest of my life. And I want to encourage you and invite you in on, this, on that prayer too. We believe firmly in the power of prayer here at Harvest, amen? But we don't just want to talk about it. We need to live it and allow the power of God to be infused into our lives. The power of God to accomplish the mission of God is unleashed through our prayers to God. I want to challenge you to join me on these prayers, and this is the outline for today. The outline for today are the two prayers that I will be praying every single day. And I want to invite you and challenge you to join me on this journey of fervent prayer, a heart cry to live on the mission of God. The first prayer is this, Lord, please make me a disciple that doesn't settle and continually pursues what is great. Doesn't settle. Anybody else excited for the NFL starting this weekend? I am. Woo! You know, I'm convinced. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Washington, whatever their name is, team. <laughs> big fan. Too big a fan at times. That part of my ongoing sanctification process of God is to have to put up with this team. <laughs> the struggle. The struggle is real. Hashtag, right? So I'm excited for the NFL, but here's the reality. Some people have come to call the NFL the not fun, no fun league anymore, right? Because they're like, oh, we can't celebrate. You can't, they, you take your, your legal, you're, you're taking all the fun out of the league. Now, how many of us, so when we think about walking with the Lord spiritually, think, oh, following Jesus, that's the no fun way to live life, right? It's all a bunch of rules and regulations and, you know, don't drink or chew or go with girls or guys that do. Like, it's not, if I disobey, someone's going to hop out of the, the bushes with a yardstick and smack me on the knuckles, right? That, that, that guilt-driven religion is not the gospel. The gospel is grace. Understanding the reality that nothing is greater for us than Jesus Christ. That when we pursue and try to find our identity or our sufficiency in the things of this world, I need to feel better. I want to have a rush. I want to have fun. So I'm going to go drinking. I'm going to go have relations physically with somebody that's not my spouse that I shouldn't be. I'm going to go gamble. I'm going to go pour myself into work. I'm going to go. And how are those things working out for you today? The lie of this world is that those things will satisfy you. The truth of God's word is that Jesus is greater for you and he is the only thing and only one that will deliver you. The true pathway to your peace is only found in Jesus Christ today. The true pathway to your hope, the greater hope, the greater joy, the greater peace is only found in you. But where are you settling for the things of this world that will leave you empty and in a life of destruction and, and just even trying to struggle to survive? Jesus doesn't want you to just survive. He wants you to thrive He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the what? Full. Full. Only in Jesus. Only through Christ do we experience the greatness of our God and experience our purpose in living out the great commission for God. The great commission flows out of the great commandment. Did you know that if your kids are are in Harvest Kids today, and I hope that they are, that the the verse of the month right now is out out of Matthew 22. It's the great commandment. Anybody know what the great commandment is? That I will, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Ask your kids about it later. 
And out of that overflow comes the Great Commission because the Great Commission, the mission is filled from a heart of worship. If I genuinely love God over all, I will follow him in all and obey him through it all. That if I genuinely love my neighbor, the greatest thing that I can love my neighbor with is telling them about the one who came to save it all, the only one who transforms it all, and his name is Jesus Christ, amen? He's greater. He's greater than any money in your bank account. He's greater than your favorite sports team. He's greater than any promotion. He is greater. You ever wonder what's so great about the Great Commission? More than a heading in your Bible, it's called to be the the priority of your life. We see this in this text, that the Great Commission is based in great authority. Look at verse 18. I don't want you to settle today, friends. I want you to strive, pursue for what is great. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus has the greatest authority. He's over all, he's in all. In the prophecy in Daniel, look how it describes Jesus. And to him, Daniel 7, 14, and to him, Jesus Christ was given dominion and glory, a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion, his dominion comes from his everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Praise God for that, amen? And it is under that authority that we go out daily. We're not going out under our own authority. We're going, we're flying the banner of Jesus Christ and him crucified and raised to life, amen? That authority is greater than any job, any boss you will have. That authority is greater than any government ruler. That's why we can go, and I've been there, and some of you probably have too, to countries whose governments say it's illegal to share the gospel, but we can go under the authority of Jesus Christ and we can share the gospel and watch the gospel transform lives. And that's why not just we can go, but why we must go, friends, amen? We must go to the neighborhoods and to the nations. It's why that we can live with a confident reality that Jesus' authority gives me confidence that, that we can't and we won't fail on this mission. Why? Because our God never fails, does he? Remember his promise? His promise is what? That I will build my church. And so as we share the gospel, maybe the person that you share the gospel with might not respond in that moment, but you will not fail. Keep sowing, friends. Keep going, friends. Keep giving, friends, because in the authority of God and under the authority of God, you cannot fail as you live for God. That's why Galatians 6, 9 says, keep working. Don't get discouraged in doing good because you will reap in God's proper time. Don't give up. Now, it might not be your time. You might not ever see it, but you need to trust God with it. That's why 1 Corinthians 15 says, keep doing good. Keep serving the Lord. Trust God with the outcomes. Keep sowing seeds. Keep loving. Keep inviting. Keep giving financially and giving and keep serving. Because God can't be stopped. God can't be stopped. And ultimately, with God's authority, because he's over it all and has saved us through it all, we are to worship him in it all, right? Worship is what? Worship literally means to ascribe worth, to elevate Jesus over. And so as we think about don't settle, pursue what is great, that is ultimately a call to worship. Worship is not what we just do 
on Sunday morning. Worship is a 24-7 lifestyle of elevating the greatness of God and the greatness of his son, Jesus Christ, over all. And because Jesus is over all, when I go to work on Fort Meade, I'm going to be on mission for God at Fort Meade because Jesus is greater. And I want to tell people about him. When I'm on the campus of UMBC and taking classes, I am there as a, as a worshiper of God, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to share and show the love of God because why? Jesus is what? Greater. He's greater than when you fail a test. He's greater. He still loves you. He's greater than when you get, become the valedictorian. He's greater. So friends, where in your life are you not elevating Jesus as greater in? And you've been settling for the things of this world that are really ultimately going to kill you, destroy you, distract you, and leave you in a life of misery. Jesus is the great commission is not just great in authority. It's also great in tasks. Go get verse 19. We're called to make disciples of all nations. Woo! That's a big task, right? Some of us are like, I want to be challenged. Here, there's no greater challenge than this, amen? Go into all the world, to every nation. And you're like, if you think every nation is a challenge, check out this. It's not really just every nation. The word there is ethnos. It means people groups. It means every single people group in the world, which there are several within every nation. And there are at least several thousand, Joshua Project, over 3,000 as of this morning, that have never heard of the name of Jesus Christ. We got to go, friends, don't we? We got to go. Why? Because Jesus is greater. And out of love for God and love for us, we want to share that hope of the gospel with everybody. We got to go. It's great in task. Why are you settling for the monotony when Jesus wants you to live in victory and share his gospel faithfully? We're all hardwired to be part of something bigger than ourselves. That's why you guys are teachers, right? They pay you pennies to have life change. That's why we build wells. That's why we build houses. That's why we feed the poor. Because we want to help and love people. And nothing is greater than giving them the hope of Jesus Christ. Great in task. Make disciples of all nations. Great in scope. Ethnos everywhere. It's great in promise and power. Verse 20 says that Jesus is with you always, even to the end of the age. What a promise, right? So you're sent out in his authority and sent out with his presence. We can't lose, can we? Because our God never loses. Remember, it's anchored in the reality that Jesus will build his church. We're his conduit. We're his conduit. Are you allowing the God work in you and then through you? The Great Commission is great in impact. It says make disciples. It says baptize. You know what happens? We're going to see this a little bit later. You know what baptism is? An outward representation of an inner change. It's a resurrected life of I was dead, and now I'm what? Alive. Nothing else does that except Jesus. He's greater, amen? The Great Commission changes lives because Jesus changes everything. Will we stop settling for the things that don't matter? What will it, Jesus said for you to gain the world but lose your soul? What are you pursuing today, the world or Jesus? It is great in impact. Nothing else saves. Nothing else transforms. Friends, I want to encourage you and challenge you. Don't waste your life today. Invest your life. Stop wasting your life. Stop settling for the things that ultimately won't matter. But invest your life in the one who changes and transforms everything. Your time, your money, your talent, your effort, your energy. Invest your life in life change for eternity and you will never lose. It's the greatest investment Greatest ROI you will ever get, return on investment, is to see lives changed. I hope at the end of the service, when you see lives, it's worth it, isn't it? 
the story of one person. It's worth every hour, every dollar, every minute, every heartache to see lives changed by the power of the gospel. But we need prayer. We need that power to unleash us, which is why in the back, you'll see this on your way out. There's a gift for you. It's called praying the Bible. Frankly, that's what this outline is for the sermon today. It's praying the Bible. It's praying this text. God, help me not to settle, but pursue what is great, which is the great commission, because I know my heart is tempted to settle. Please pick that, that book up and really more than that, read it and invest your life praying God's word as you live God's word. But where are you settling today? Where are you settling in your life? to pursue and give your best energy to your work, your athletic accolades, your GPA, the money, family. What happens when you pursue your job and you get fired? What are you left with? What happens when you buy a house and then the stock market crashes and the house value goes, because that's happened to Ann and I. What happens, fill in the blank, when you have, I'm going to be a soccer star and then I blow out my knee and I can't play soccer anymore. Earth comes and goes, Jesus remains. Invest in what matters. Where's your heart? Our priority must flow out of our identity. We are first a child of God, and then we must live as an ambassador of God. Our, ident- our priority must flow out of our identity. We are living as God's example. Today, I want to challenge you to elevate your eyes, to see Jesus truly as greater. And maybe that's your challenge today, is to see him as greater and to surrender your life to him as Lord and Savior. Or maybe to stop pursuing the things of this world and live it up. I want you to... Elevate and then embrace. Elevate your eyes to see Jesus for who he is and then embrace the mission that he gives you. See Jesus and strive to live for Jesus, what matters to Jesus. Because the pursuits of my life must flow from the priorities of my heart. The second prayer that I want to challenge you to pray with me this ministry year is this, every day, is Lord, please make me a disciple that doesn't stray and faithfully pursues your plan. What's his plan? It's laid out right here in the text, 28, 18 through 20. Discipleship is a pathway and it's a process. It's a pathway to become more like Jesus and it's a process. It does not happen overnight and we never graduate from the school of sanctification of God making us more like himself and his son. All of us have a next step to take today. The question is, what's yours? Where have you strayed from that plan of Jesus? When you actually look into this text, Jesus tells us how to pursue his plan, how to lay it out. He gives us a game plan that cannot fail and will not fail. Why? Because he is greater and he will not fail. When you read this text, when you look at verse 19 and into 20, there are four verbs here. Go therefore, that's one verb, and make disciples. Go make of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Baptize is the third verb. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Four verbs. One mission. Out of those four verbs, there's one imperative verb. You know what that verb is? Make. All the other three verbs, go, baptize, teach, are coming to support grammatically the, the imperative of make. Jesus is looking at his disciples then, and he's looking at us now, and if you want to create a meme of this later, you can. He's looking at us like, you have one job. Literally. Make disciples. And we will all stand before a holy God one day and he will look at us and I hopefully he doesn't just look at us and say, you had one job. What did you do with it? He's making it abundantly clear out of a heart of worship to glorify God, you have one job, make disciples. How do I do it? He teaches us how to do it right here. It's an ongoing process, three disciple making essentials right from this text. 
The first is this, and this is a daily process. It's a daily journey. Intentional living. That's tied out of go. Go, therefore, make disciples. Actually, if you study the grammar here, it's better phrased, as you are going, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to the parking lot, as you're going into your schools this week, as you're going to the gym to work out, as you're sitting on your sideline at your kid's soccer game, as you're at UMBC or whatever college you're at, as you are going, you're always on mission. God sent us on the great commission, not the great vacation here on earth. There is never a day off. When you're around the dinner table with your kids, you're on mission. When you're at home with your computer, you're on mission. When you're in the neighborhood at the cookout, you're on mission. Or at least you're intended to be. Are you living intentionally with this missional mindset of, I have the opportunity to share the gospel? What does it mean to live intentionally? It means that you are proactive and looking for ways to share the gospel. And it's also reactive. That means that you open your heart and your life. What does it mean it's a priority? It means when you're sitting in your office at work and you have a thousand emails to respond to and somebody knocks on yours and says, can I talk to you? And there are, you can tell that it's something significant and your flesh wants to go, I ain't got time for this. And God's like, yes, you do. What do you do? Sure, come on in. When you're walking your dog and that neighbor says, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And the last thing in the world you want, you want to pull, oh, I don't want you time for that. The game's about to come on. <laughs> You allow yourself to have divine and heavenly interruptions because you never know who God sends you on your way. Watch the life of Jesus and even the disciples, right? Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted. And he also allowed himself to say, no, hey, I know they want me. They want me to serve, but God is sending me over here. It's an open heart and an open life to follow the Lord wherever he leads. How do you know? Well, that goes back to prayer, which is why we need to pray and allow the Holy Spirit to give us direction as we live. Well, where it says go, as we are going, look at your neighbor right now and says, Jesus is talking to you. He's not just talking to his disciples back then. He's talking to you and I right now. Because remember, who's the church? You're the church. Who has a mission given from God? We have a mission given from God. And not to, oh, the paid professional. No, every single one of us. God has sent you to Fort Meade. By the way, I can't get on Fort Meade, but some of you can. He sent you on the campus of UMBC. I've never taken a class at UMBC. Some of you are there. He has sent you to your neighborhood, your workplace, your, your golf club, your whatever. On mission as his ambassador, because we are first before we are a military commander, before we're a husband, before we're a wife, before we're a student, we are all, 2 Corinthians 5 says, we are ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ, given a mission of reconciliation and telling people and making an appeal of God making his appeal through you and I. Be reconciled to God, the power of the gospel. We are children of God. We are ambassadors of God. Everything else we do is just details. Your priority from God will never change. Your job might change. Your location might change. Purpose of your life, I pray, never changes. Disciple making is not a class you attend. It's a life you live. We all, as disciples, should always be in a relationship where someone is discipling us who's more mature or has some other life experience, and we should always be discipling others along the way. Are you living your life in that way? Do you have a plan to share the gospel with somebody you might encounter? We can equip you. There are many different ways. Three circles, Romans Road. Carlos has a bunch of them with crew. You can find a lot of them. The question is, do you have a plan to share the gospel with someone you might encounter this week do you know the Bible enough to share that? And at the end, of the, are you willing to share your testimony? This is how God changed me. 
No one can, they might dispute the Bible, but they can't take your story away from you because it's your story. I was this, but God, and now. My life has been changed. I can't explain it, but God did it. Let me tell you about my Savior, who's greater than everything. Don't settle. And he sent me on a mission. Don't stray. And if you don't have a story of heart transformation by the power of God, I would pray and I would love to talk with you after this service. That's the most important thing that in your life, if you aren't sure if you've ever given your life to the Lord and you feel nudging in the Holy Spirit right now and you've unsettled, your life is a lack of peace and hope. And you're like, there's gotta be something greater, friends, there is. And his name is Jesus. I don't care if you've been in church all your life or this is your first day in church. Jesus wants your heart. Strip yourself of your pride and come and experience the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ or return to it. Intentional living. Second essential element of making disciples is this, immediate obedience. Verse 19, it says, baptize. Now, every day you don't have the opportunity to take someone to a body of water and dunk them in. Maybe you do. I don't know. But ultimately, at the core of baptism is the heart of obedience, right? In Acts 2, when Peter was preaching and and 3,000 people came to the Lord, they're like, my heart has been cut with the power of the gospel. What should you do? What did Peter say? Repent and what? Be baptized. He didn't say, wait 10 years down the road, do a thorough He said, be baptized. Baptism is an, outward transformation, is an outward proclamation of an inward transformation that God has already done. There's nothing salvific about baptism. That's a fancy way of saying your, your, your lifetime in eternity is not contingent on whether you get baptized or not. Look at the thief on the cross. Jesus didn't say get off the cross and get baptized and get back on the cross and then you can be in, with me in forever and eternity. But Jesus did say baptize others. Jesus' disciples and others to say immediately get baptized every single time. Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch's like, what's stopping me from getting baptized? I just want to give my life to it. He's like, nothing. Philip's like, let's do it. Boom. Acts 16. Paul in the, in the jail in Philippi, the Philippian jailer and his family were cut to the core of the heart of the gospel. What do they do next? Baptized immediately. Boom. It's immediate obedience. So if you're not willing to follow the Lord with immediate obedience and baptism, are you willing to follow the Lord in immediate obedience to everything else in your life? And so if you've never been baptized as a believer, I want to challenge you. We have seven today to go, next time we have baptism, I want in, or I want to schedule one. I want to do it now for the Lord. And for all of us, where in in, in your heart is God calling you to be immediately obedient to him? And maybe you've been hesitant, or maybe you need to prepare the soil, or ask God to prepare the soil of your heart right now for an aspect of uh, immediate obedience that God will present you on Wednesday morning in the office that you have no idea is coming right now. But ask the whole, this is why we need to pray over and over to till the soil in our hearts, soften our hearts, to open our eyes, to open our hands and go, God, when, help me not to stray. Help me to see the missional opportunities. Help me not to be disobedient, to be so focused on what I think I want to do or what I declare I want to do that I miss what you want me to do. Because remember, being a disciple means that I am surrendering my heart and life to Jesus Christ. That means that he's what? The boss. Not just on your first day of salvation, but every single day of your life that you submit your life under the authority of God's word and you say, this is my bedrock, on this I stand and this is what my truth is and I will live it out. And that you adjust your life. You don't fit Jesus into your life. You fit your life into Jesus's priorities and purpose. You align. By the way, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will do what? Keep my commandments. Friends, there are a lot of people, and I say this lovingly, but I just feel the spirit speaking in my heart right now that I need to say this with love. There are a lot of people that might say, I love Jesus. There are a lot of people that might go to church all their life, but their life is not living out the commands of Jesus Christ. 
And you probably do not genuinely love God if your life is not displaying a heart of obedience to God. Because that's what Jesus is literally saying in John 14, 15. If you love me, then you'll what? Obey my commands. Not, not one, not two, all of them. Not the ones that are just convenient, not the ones that I just like, not the ones that make cultural sense to me, not the ones that I want or are easy, but every single one of them. Because that leads us to the third and final essential ingredient, which is instilling doctrine. Go and therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in this name of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And then verse 20, teaching them to observe. What's the next word in your Bible? Whatever your version is. All. Does it say some in there? No, it says all. Say ones that are convenient, ones that you like, ones that won't cost you anything. No, it says every single teaching of Jesus Christ we are to obey. Every single one. Now to obey them, you have to learn them which is why it's a lifelong pursuit of growing in God so that we can live in obedience to God. We all need to grow in obedience, every single one of us. And when we fall short, praise God for his grace, amen? It's not about perfection, it's about pursuing. And when we pursue, we lean on Jesus' perfection and the work of Jesus finished on the cross. There is no sin that you have committed that can outrun the grace of God. If you're sitting in here going, Pastor, and I love this, but Jesus wouldn't love me. He, wouldn't, he has no idea what I've done. Yes, he does, and he died for you anyway because he loves you. Amen? Oh, maybe I've been straying. I've been gone too long. Read the prodigal son. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Come home today. Open arms open life, come home, not tomorrow, today. I, uh, Pastor, I've been pursuing this, this career. I've been pursuing this girl. I've been pursuing my family. I've been pursuing my grades. And I haven't been pursuing Christ. Repent today and come back. That's the doctrine. And we have the privilege of teaching others to do the same. We have the ultimate teacher in the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth, but we are to be teaching others as well, which is why we need to be discipling. Doctrine is a teaching. It's the life applied. Kerygma in the fancy Greek is the gospel. It's proclaim the gospel, turn and repent. And then the, the didache, the doctrine, is the everyday application of Christian living. It's Paul's letters of turn, take this off and put this on. Stop doing this, start doing that. And that way we will live more like Christ. Because as disciples, when people see us, who should they see? Should they see us? Uh-uh. They should see him. Why are you doing this? Because Jesus is greater. Why are you giving this? Because Jesus saved my life, and I want you to know that too. Why? Because Jesus. Because Jesus. Because Jesus. Jesus doesn't want converts. He wants disciples. It's a lifelong pursuit of worshiping, walking, and working for Christ. Jesus isn't after just how much theological, intellectual information you have. He's after your heart transformation, which is evidenced in a transformed life of obedience. This is why we're going to be in Titus, because he provides a blueprint for what this looks like on a church level. The Great Commission is both individual and it's collective. It's for you and I to decide individually, but it's for us collectively. Look, how does the church fulfill the Great Commission? By each individual person deciding together to pursue a life of obedience because Jesus is greater. Amen? If a church is a gathering of people, we can't just one of us go, we're going to do this. No, collectively. We have to deny ourselves, pick up our crosses daily, 
and follow Jesus Christ because he's greater and nothing else is better. So how do we do this? How do we instill doctrine? We want to come alongside you and equip you. That's part of our focus this year. The big focus of our year here at Harvest is pursuing intentional discipleship. Here are some ways. Get in a small group and stay in a small group, not just physically, but your heart. Talk to myself, talk to Pastor Andrew. On your, on your notes there, you, you, on the back, you'll see a QR code that you can scan. They'll go to the website. They launched this week. There's never a better time than to get in a small group than any day, one, but two this week. And if you are new to Harvest, we would love for you to explore some, heart, some small groups. And if maybe you've been in a small group, come back. Maybe you're physically in a small group, but open your heart and your life. Be vulnerable. Be real. Mutual ministry. It's the lifeblood of discipleship of this church, but it doesn't stop there. Maybe you want to grab one or two people, and this is happening throughout our church, and let's, go, let's read through a book of the Bible together. Or maybe you want to ask somebody to go do that with you. It's happening. We're seeing tons of fruit from that. If you want to do that, if you want to disciple someone, be discipled in an intimate small group like that, talk to me. Well, I'll help you out. Talk to Pastor Andrew. We'll get you connected. Do family devos at home. Ian does a phenomenal job of this with our kids, and so many of you guys do as well when your own. Prioritize bringing your kids to Harvest Kids each week. Did you know that if your kids are in Harvest Kids today, they're going to come home with a, a worksheet, a coloring sheet that has a verse of the day, a theme, the key topic? Maybe you want to read it with them. Work on memorizing it with them. Study it. Read the passage together. Ask them what they learned. How are we going to apply this together as a family this week? In a couple weeks, we're going to start a class here at 8.15 on Sunday morning. It's called Got Questions. We'd love for you to come. It's a doctrine class. Questions about faith, life, how do I live this out? We would love to come alongside you and teach. 10-week class. You don't have to come every week. We'd love for you to come whenever. Drop in all 10 weeks. Come when you can. You on the QR code on your, on your bulletin there, scan it. You go to a website there. You can sign up. You can also submit questions because maybe there's a question on your heart that God's been putting there. We would love to answer that. We're not going to answer every question. We'll sort through them. And look, we only got time for 10 of them. Just go around. Hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Invite friends to that who are searching and seeking. We want to grow in the Lord. Start a Bible study at work. Start a Bible study in your neighborhood. Be missional where you are. We're going to talk about that at Christmas this year. I can't wait. But start now. Grab some guys over your lunch hour and go, let's read through the Gospel of John together. Start in your neighborhood with some ladies or grab some coffee with some ladies in your neighborhood. Go, let's, let's explore God's Word together. Watch God work. Invite them to that. Invite them to church. Watch it work. The cost of living a discipleship. Read the book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The cost is great, but the reward is greater. Amen. This week... I want to ask you this. Where have you strayed from the mission of God? Where have you strayed? Come back today. You want to see the fruit of the life of discipleship? I asked someone this week who has been in an intentional discipling relationship with another guy at Harvest. So I said, what's the impact? I said, could you send me a couple sentences? He said, only a couple sentences. I got like paragraphs. He said, it's brought an impact in my life of discipline that I needed. It's helped develop my identity in Jesus Christ. It's helped me to build strong Christian friendships. It's given me a confidence to pray and process many difficult things and difficult se- different seasons in my life. I've made a profound, it's made a profound impact, some, too hard to describe, to have godly friends providing accountability and to be there when I need them at all times. It's helped me to feel loved and to know that God loves me. Friends, I want that for you too, amen? 
As Rebecca continues to play, pull out your bulletin if you have one. On the bottom of your bulletin sheet, there are two questions. There's this, there's what's my next step in discipleship? And then there is, I am going to. We've all been sent. I'm gonna ask you over the next 30 to 60 seconds to just take time with the Lord. And to, if you got a pen, write it out or think about it. Or if you got a phone, put it in your phone, your notes section or whatever. We all have a next step, what's yours? Maybe it's today, it's to give your life to the Lord. Maybe it's to commit to being baptized in the near future. Maybe it's the decision to join a small group. Maybe it's a life of, I want to be discipled. Maybe it's, I want to read through the Bible. I need to commit these to prayer. I don't know what your next step is. I just know you have one. What is it? Write it down. And then write in that blank where you have been sent to the next one. I've been sent to the Pentagon. I've been sent to Fort Meade. I've been sent to my neighborhood. Write your neighborhood. I've been sent to Arundel High School. I've been sent to Severn. Understanding the reality that God has sent you there on mission as his ambassador. Write your workplace in. And then intentionally pray that God would use you as you are going this week in the workplace and the next week and beyond. So would you just take these next 30 seconds with the Lord and allow him to reveal to you, maybe you need a time of repentance to come back and turn back from where you have strayed, where you have settled. God's grace is sufficient. And I'll close it in a time of prayer. Father, we love you, and I'm just so thankful for you and the reality and the beauty of the gospel. God, I thank you for the transformational impact of, of just you. God, forgive me for at times for forgetting that you are greater, for settling for the things of the world, for putting my finances, for putting my energy, my hope, and peace, searching for them in things that, that don't satisfy, that don't, don't remain, that don't stand, but ultimately fail me or lead me down a path that, of destruction. Father, in this moment, forgive me for where I've strayed. Forgive me for the times that I've viewed the Great Commission as an optional as opposed to a heart of obedience. God, forgive me and, and rely on my heart with the beauty and the privilege and the responsibility of living on mission for you. Father, I pray that you would equip us and that you would send us as we worship you, God, each and every day. For those in this room right now who you are stirring in their hearts to surrender their hearts to you for the very first time, I pray that they would give their life to you. We might not have all the questions. We will learn that on our journey, but we know today that we want to declare that you're greater. Your, your blood is greater than my sin. It covers it. You are, you're greater than my situations. You're Lord over it. You're greater than my earthly desires. God, you are the King of Kings. You aren't just risen, but you reign. And we worship you. Lord, build your church today. Help us to not settle and help us to not stray. Lord, help us all to pursue what is great because you are great. And help us to faithfully fulfill your plan out of a heart of worship, reverence, and obedience. In your name we pray. Amen.